What's up? Welcome in to the Fan Section Podcast. This is another Fan Section Short. Continuing on with our uh, 2021-2022 basketball season preview. We looked at a preview of the Pac-12 last time we were together. Today we are going to be previewing the ACC, otherwise known as the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, a lot of fun basketball already has been played, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to pump these uh, previews out as quickly as I can, um, just for the integrity of them. You know, <laughs> not going to wait too too long. I think as we move through the season, <clears throat> I may just sort of up, update my power rankings, maybe once a month or something. But uh, I need to get the initial the initial previews for for each conference out first out of the gate here. Um, my name is Tyson Quiller. I'm your host today. And we are going to, again, like I said, be diving into the Atlantic Coast Conference Basketball Preview. Today, this is the Fan Section Podcast. You know, Alan and I, uh, by this point, just a couple good buddies talking college, dropping knowledge from the bleachers to the suites. We appreciate all the feedback that you um, are interested in giving us. We've made changes already within, you know, within the last month, within the last two months. Uh, just trying to cater the content and um, cater the the production of the podcast uh, as you would best like to hear it. So please feel free to get in the mailbag. Feel, please feel free to hit up Alan on Twitter. He is active on in those areas, and and we you know read your messages. We're interested in hearing what you have to say. So let me just maybe start right here real quick with a look at where. The ACC finished up last year. This is a conference that was really uh, kind of underwhelming, I think, towards the end of the season. Yeah, it had obviously the situation with COVID with Duke, one of you know, probably their biggest blue blood, if not North Carolina, uh, where they had the COVID issue in the conference tournament. They probably weren't going to make the NCAA tournament anyway. And then they just decided to cancel their season. But last season, the conference standings finished as follows. Virginia won the conference, 13-4. and four. Uh, And really unfortunate, because I thought last year was going to be the year that um, Leonard Hamilton and Florida State was able to pull that off. But those Florida State Seminoles finished second in the conference. Both of these teams had an overall record of 18-7. and seven. And, I mean, when you look at Florida State, they, they went 3-1 and one against teams that were ranked in the AP Top 25 last year. Virginia, 1-3. So really, it just kind of ended up being a Florida Florida State lost to more teams than you know that they should have beaten. Third last year in the conference was Virginia Tech, finishing fifteen and seven. Keep in mind, like I said, the COVID situation. Virginia Tech plays twenty two games. Obviously, that's that was impacted. Their season was impacted by all of the uh, COVID dynamics. Then fourth was. Uh, what appeared to be a really up-and-coming Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket squad, 17-9. Fifth was Clemson at 16-8. Sixth was North Carolina, 18-11. Seventh, Louisville, 13-7. And, and eighth, Syracuse at 18-10. All eight of those teams made the NCAA tournament. So when we look ahead at the season to come, they're really is a bit of a shakeup in what in front, from what we saw last year, starting uh, not at the very top, but starting second from the top. So if the first team, the top team I have ranked in the 
ACC is Florida State Seminoles. They are number 12 power ranking in the country. Uh, like I mentioned, they finished second last year, uh, 18-7 and seven overall, 11-4 and four in the conference play. I think... I, I do think this is the year for Leonard Hamilton, and the Seminoles are coming off of a season where they maybe mildly underperformed, but they were really, aside from Syracuse, they probably performed the best in the NCAA tournament. You know, keep in mind you had um, Syracuse that made it several rounds, but Clemson loses in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, ACC was kind of one of the underperforming conferences in the NCAA tournament last year. But Florida State, after drawing a four seed in the in the tournament, uh, they lost in the Sweet 16 to number one seed Michigan. Uh, now they did lose a bit of production from last season team. Uh, looking at this season's team, but they gained so much more through the transfer portal and a very talented freshman class. Uh, they do lose their top three scorers from last season: MJ Walker, Raquan Gray, um, and a top ten recruit in the country, Scotty Barnes. Which which hurts. However, star guard Anthony Polite and six nine forward Malik Osborne return, and both looked great in their first game, uh, scoring a combined thirty five points on sixty five percent shooting from the field. Those two also collected a combined nineteen big rebounds. This uh, Seminole squad has tremendous length. That is kind of the identity of the Florida State squad. You know, they they run a lot of zone on defense, and they just stretch their hands out and close up driving lanes. I remember Colorado playing Florida State in the NCAA tournament last year, and they just made it so difficult to penetrate and get to the hoop. And they forced their opponent to to throw up uh, jump shots from the outside, and that's just a numbers game. Uh, it's just that, you know, some team may shoot well there, but ge- as a generality, as you move uh, through a number of games, teams are not going to be able to shoot that well from the outside. Um, so they, again, this year have a very solid defense. And the Florida State Seminoles have four, yes, count them, four players on this team that stand seven feet tall or more. The junior center, Naheem McLeod, is seven foot four. Okay, so that's, and the wingspan, obviously, on these guys is just tremendous. Freshman guard Matthew Cleveland, who was ranked the number 25 recruit in the country, looked steady in the first game. Uh, nine points, five rebounds. You know, you generally see that out of you know top recruits where they're getting some play time they don't want to you know throw them out to the deep water for the sharks but just yet but that's that's pretty solid play from a from a top recruit florida state's first real test uh is this sunday as they visit the florida gators florida is a good team but shouldn't be close uh to as talented as the seminoles their next big test is november 30th uh, when Florida State travels to top 10 Purdue. I have this team losing that game to Purdue, but if Florida State can win that, you might be looking at a real national title contender um, in the Seminoles out of the ACC. So with that being said, big picture, I have uh, the Florida State Seminoles going 26-4 and on the year, 17-3 and in the conference, and winning the conference regular season, season title. Second in the ACC in my projections are the Duke Blue Devils, now, I will say they looked very impressive early in the season in their win, especially against Kentucky. They probably are a little bit underranked here in my rankings, but I'm sticking with the numbers that I produced prior to watching uh, any basketball play. I have the Duke Blue Devils as the number 13 team in the country. You know, I think a little bit of my skepticism, a lot of people are really high on Duke, but a little bit of my skepticism is just all the issues and, 
and trouble and difficulties uh, and really poor performance they had last year. Um, that that obviously, I guess, is an anomaly or can be an anomaly, but I don't think you go from the outhouse to the penthouse up to, you know, first in the conference without proving something. You know, a lot of a lot of the media has already slotted them as the number one team in the conference. I think you got to prove it a little bit, especially after such a poor season. Last year, they finished 10th in the conference, 13-11 and 11 record, 9-9 nine and nine in conference play. Um, you know, last year was just a complete catastrophe for this program. And, it, and it, they're not alone. I mean, last season was a season where a lot of the Blue Bloods really struggled. Uh, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, even really UCLA until the NCAA tournament. And UCLA, keep in mind, was a 12 seed, and they played in the fir- first four of the NCAA tournament. So, um, but but getting back, getting back to the Duke Blue Devils, you know, they never were really able to build any consistency with their team last year as they were just constantly struggling with handling the COVID situation. Duke probably wasn't going to make the NCAA tournament, like I said, anyways. Uh, but then their season ended on the positive test at the ACC tournament in March, and they basically just canceled their season at that point. Uh, Coach K has announced this will be his last season coaching. I mentioned that on the previous basketball podcast. I think he just was unable to adapt to changing environment, new landscape. I don't mean just specifically COVID. I mean name, image, and likeness. He's had some struggles since uh, Coach Calipari at Kentucky really pioneered the one and done. Coach K's really had some struggles dealing with and balancing how do you work um, more veteran players in with these one and done guys that um, you know are going to be coming in taking playing time away from some of the more senior guys that that thought that they were going to be able to start Um, but anyways coach K will retire as the winningest coach in college basketball history he's currently 120 wins ahead of the second place coach which is Jim Boeheim like I said the media has this team winning the ACC uh, I, I just think that's a little bit too much. They are much improved, obviously. They're certainly not the 10th team in the conference. Uh, and, we'll, you know, they're going to have the sentiment of wanting to, you know, win it all for Coach K. That's going to be kind of a continuing storyline throughout the season. But there's just a, too much turnover, and Florida State is just a better team, in my opinion. Duke uh, also loses their top three scorers, just like Florida State, in Matthew Hurt, DJ Stewart, and Jalen Johnson. And their season point guard, Jordan Goldwire, uh, who led the team with four assists per game last season, has transferred to Oklahoma. But in comes the number two recruit in the country, Paulo Benchero, who many people think may be the national player of the year, and the number 23 recruit in the country, Trevor Keels. You match those two up with junior forward Wendell Moore and sophomore guard Jeremy Roach. Again, you're sensing a trend. This is a young team. Uh, Jeremy Roach, who was a top 25 recruit in last year's class, and you just have a ton of firepower on this team. Uh, now, in the in the first game against uh, Kentucky, it, it, Trevor Keels really impressed me more so than Paolo Banchero, to be honest. Um, it, yeah, in the win over number 10 Kentucky, 79-71 the other day, Trevor Keels led the team with 25 points uh, scored and, and was charged with the assignment of guarding the number 15 recruit in the country, Ty Ty Washington, at Kentucky. And he just straight up shut Ty Ty Washington down. Uh, Keels held Washington to only nine points in 28, 28 minutes on the court. 
Uh, you know, so I, I think he is a more rounded player. I think he's clearly better than Ben Chera on the defensive end. Um, so Duke is Duke is going to be a real threat. Like I mentioned, I, I think that they I'm probably underselling them a little bit to be honest. Now after watching a couple of games this season, but I still have confidence Florida State once we get to the conference play that they are, you know, they have the more maturity, they have the more cohesiveness. I think they'll find a way to pull out. A win here where the where the Blue Devils maybe drop one that they shouldn't. Um, Duke gets Gonzaga at Cameron Indoor uh, at home on November 26th. And then they travel to Ohio State the very next game. That, that will really give us an idea of how elite this team truly can be. I have them going 27-4, and 17-3 in conference play. Third in the ACC my 19th ranked team in the country, the Louisville Cardinals. Now, they, like Duke, underperformed last year. They finished 7th in uh, in the conference, 13-7. and seven. They only played 20 games last year. 13-7 and seven on the season, 8-5 and five in conference play. Now, I have a pre- pretty different read on this team than the media does. The media has them, uh, you know, currently finishing 6th in the conference, that's mostly because I don't think the next two teams that I'm going to name after Louisville, my, my fourth and fifth team, um, which are Virginia and North Carolina, are, are really as good as we're accustomed to seeing them. But big picture, in the ACC this year, there's Florida State and Duke, and then there's really everyone else. Um, three of Louisville's top five scorers in the first game all came through the transfer portal. Noah Locke, who led the team with 16 points, transferred from Florida. 6'7", sophomore forward Matt Cross transferred in from Miami, and the senior guard Jared West transferred in from Marshall, where he averaged 13 points and four rebounds per game in his his last two seasons at Marshall. Now, in the front court, the Cardinals bring back Samuel Williamson and Malik Williams, who are massive um, and, and ball hawks. They clean up all the rebounds. In the first two games of the season this year, these two combined for 27 rebounds. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Louisville is another team that really struggled with managing COVID last year. Like I said, they only played 20 games. With a little more clarity and discipline this year, I think they have the talent to be the third best team in the conference. Louisville has a pretty soft early schedule, which really works well for them. Um, marker games to determine how good they are will be November 25th when they host a pretty good Mississippi State squad. And then December 1st, they play at a much improved Michigan State. I, I, I feel comfortable putting Louisville as my third best team. But again, there's a disparity between Florida State, Duke, and then the rest of the field. I have Louisville finishing 23-7, and 15-5 in conference play. My fourth-ranked team in the ACC are the Virginia Cavaliers. I have them power rankings, number 21 team in the country. Now, they won the conference last year, 18-7, 13-4 in conference play. So already this was not kind of the Virginia Cavaliers we were accustomed to seeing. Seven losses, I mean, for, for a Tony Bennett team to lose more than three or four games is, is, a, is a pretty dramatic drop. I think that that that's about the level they're going to be at this year as well. Um, and to be honest with you, I feel a bit vindicated, vindicated about my previous comments that this will not be the Virginia team that you were accustomed to seeing in, the, in years past because Virginia just lost to Navy uh, the other day, 66-58. Uh, and Navy's 
I have predicted to be third in the uh, Patriot League. So they're not. I don't even think they're the best team in their own conference. I have Navy ranked 188th in the country in my power rankings. Uh, so, uh, you know, take that uh, as you will. Uh, this was a really bad loss for the Cavaliers. Virginia just doesn't have a ton of talent. They bring back uh, Kahai Clark and Reese Beekman, but they only combined for 14 points per game last year. They're going to need a lot of production out of the East Carolina transfer Jaden Gardner and the Indiana transfer Armand Franklin. In their uh, game one loss against Marshall, Gardner put up 18 points, but Franklin only scored seven on 50% shooting. They're going to need more production than that. Uh, under Tony Bennett, the head coach, Virginia's identity has always been kind of a very strong defense. They even when they won the national title, they're winning games, you know, sixty to fifty, um, you know, fifty-five to forty-eight. You know, they keep the score very, very low. Yeah, uh, that's you know, that's kind of the identity that he brings to the table. But uh, let's see. Oh, I, I, with regards to the Navy game, I mean, if if uh, if Virginia, uh, if let's see, if Navy can put up sixty-five points on that defense and Virginia can only score fifty-eight, that's not going to be a winning recipe. Um, if I hadn't finished my power rankings before this game, I might have flipped. Honestly, Virginia and the next team I have ranked North Carolina. Don't be surprised next week if you see Virginia get blown out by Houston. Uh, that's coming up on Tuesday. The, the turnaround might just be too tight to make the adjustments necessary right and you know to right the ship but ultimately between their unique style of play and the excellence of their coaching staff I pro I project Virginia to finish fourth in the ACC and make the NCAA tournament like they have become uh, used to doing I have their record at 22 and 7 14 and 6 in conference play and keep in mind I had accounted for them winning that Navy game so you you could probably roll that one one more loss, one less win. Next, at fifth in the ACC, I have the 36th ranked team in the country, North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, they finished sixth in the conference last year, 18-11, and 11, and 10-6 and six in conference play. The Tar Heels are predicted to finish third in the ACC, and I think that for the media, that's, that's just kind of too much confidence in new head coach Hubert Davis. You know, Davis was asked about the expectations and, and uh, you know, being the new coach at uh, North Carolina, replacing Roy Williams, kind of the heritage that co that goes along with coaching North Carolina. And his response was, yes, I have not been a head coach before at the University of North Carolina, uh, but in terms of having these types of ex expectations, being on TV, being in the limelight, I've, I've been there before. Listen, I think he's going to be a good coach. But you have to recognize that there's some drop-off when a Hall of Fame coach like Roy Williams steps away. North Carolina lost uh, 20 points and 14 rebounds per game from last year's squad as Dayron Sharp moved on to the NBA and Garrison Brooks transferred to Mississippi State. North Carolina does return junior forward Armando Bacote, who is a preseason first-team All-ACC player uh, and led the team in scoring and rebounding last year. Oklahoma transfer Brady Manick will help improve a little more size under the hoop, but the guard play is still... Uh, you know, a bit in question. Caleb Love is going to be running the point, and he averaged three assists and three turnovers per game last year. That's that's not a good assist to turnover ratio, fifty percent. This is uh, this is a hole that the Tar Heels were unable to fill through the transfer portal or recruiting. 
Their uh, highest recruit in the offseason was 68th in the nation, and he was a 6'7 forward, Dontrez Styles. Um, and on top of that, North Carolina plays a very difficult non-conference schedule. They play three top 10 teams between now and January, those being Michigan, Purdue, and UCLA. The only uh, kind of, um, you know, good, th- good part of that, about that is all three of those games they play at home. Ultimately, I have North Carolina finishing 21-9, and 14-6 in the conference. Like I said, you could, you could maybe flip-flop Virginia and North Carolina at this point. I would not put North Carolina ahead of Louisville, just if for no other reason than the fact that they play such a difficult schedule. At sixth in the ACC, I have the number 37-ranked team in the country, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Now, Virginia Tech finished third in the conference last year, 15-7 and seven on the season, 9-4 and four in conference play. This is another team that um, just was not able to play a ton of games, only 22 games. Um, now, for the Hokies, there was not a ton of turnover for this team in the offseason. Uh, they do lose Tyrese Radford, Jalen Cohn, and Wabisa Bibi through the transfer portal, but they only accounted for a combined 23 points per game. That's not a tremendous loss. The Hokies' leading scorer and rebounder from last season, Key Valuma, returns uh, for his senior campaign. They also added 6'10 center Lynn Kidd from Clemson and grad transfer Storm Murphy from Wofford, uh, who, sh- who shoots 44% from three-point range, which is pretty good, and averaged 17.8 points per game last season. Junior forward Justin Mutz, who averaged nine points per game last season, put up 15 in their opening game, 82-47 win over Maine. Uh, I, I think that they they repl- they are pro- they probably have the the least production turnover of any team in the conference, and so they should have a little more consistency and cohesion out of the gate. Now Virginia Tech will be playing that that very same feisty Navy team that just knocked off Virginia um, in in a couple of weeks or um, this coming week. Uh, and then they have the tough back-to-back at the end of the month playing Memphis at home and then traveling to Maryland. I, I like this Virginia Tech team. I think they're a tournament team, but I, I have them valued about the same as I do North Carolina. 21-9, and 14-6 on the year is the prediction. And then next we have the Syracuse Orange. Uh, I have them ranked the 61 in the country, they finished eighth last year, eighteen and ten on the season, nine and seven. This was a true bubble team last year. They may or may not have deserved to go to the tournament, but like Jim Beheim teams do, um, they they turn it on when it comes tournament time, and they performed well in the NCAA tournament. Uh, man, Jim Beheim has got to be the next coach retiring out of this league, right? I mean, he has been the head coach for Syracuse since nineteen seventy six. Uh, like I said, Syracuse struggled last season. Uh, they only received an 11 seed. But but again, I mean, the Orange really came together and finally kind of gelled once they got uh, the invite to the tournament. If not for UCLA and Oregon State, we'd probably be talking about Syracuse as being one of the real surprise teams of the tournament. They knocked off a six seed and a three seed in West Virginia before losing to Houston, who who's a Final Four team, and really... Probably the one team in the tournament that, that tested Baylor the most. Uh, senior guard and coach's son, uh, Buddy Beheim is the marquee player returning. After averaging almost 18 points per game last year, 
He broke 30 points in two of their NCAA tournament games. He has stepped up his game um, and made a progression in his development, clearly. Uh, however, Syracuse's top three rebounders, Quincy Guerrero, Alan Griffin, and Marik Dolajai, all leave the program. That leaves behind a hole to fill of 35 points and 19 rebounds per game. You know, Joseph Girard is going to be relied upon a lot to add production. Uh, the Orange also add transfer scorers Jimmy Bayheim, who is another son of Jim Bayheim, and uh, Cole Swinder, who transferred in from Villanova. This team doesn't have a tremendous amount of talent, but they, they will hang around and certainly be a factor in the conference tournament come March. I do have them as a NCAA tournament team. Finishing almost identical to last year, 19-10, and 12-8 in the conference. Next up, I have the number 66 ranked team in the country, the Clemson Tigers. This was an NCAA tournament team also last year. Uh, they finished fifth in the conference, 16 and 8, 10 and 6 on this uh, in conference play. Do everything uh, forward. Amir Sims is now off to the NBA, and the ACC takes a collective sigh of relief. He really uh, was kind of a surprise and terrorizing a lot of teams last year. For uh, for you know a pretty pretty good Clemson squad last year, but unfortunately Brad Brownell's team is just not very deep this season. Junior guard Al Amir Dawes steps in to lead the young team and only returns for that the team only returns 54% of its production from last year. Uh, forward Hunter Tyson brings seven points five rebounds a game, but the Tigers are going to need sophomore PJ Hall to step up if they are going to make the NCAA tournament again. I think that this is a True bubble team. The I have them projected to go 19 and 10, 12 and 8 in conference play. Next up, the 69th ranked team in the country, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Now, again, they had a, a wonderful season last year and really outperformed expectations. Uh, they finished fourth in the conference, 17 and 9 on the season, 11 and 6 in conference play, but. Jose Alvarado, the heart and soul of this team from last year, and uh, he was second in the country last year in steals. He has moved on to the NBA Developmental League. Michael DeVoe and Jordan Usher will start in the backcourt as the Yellow Jackets return basically no production in the frontcourt. This is a scrappy squad, but they're young and not highly recruited. The center, Rodney Howard, accounted for 10 points and 13 rebounds in their uh, their season debut game. Uh, as Georgia Tech lost to Miami of Ohio. This team will need everything to go right to make it to the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, this year. And they've already lost this game that I thought they'd win against Miami of Ohio. So I think this is probably a bubble out team, or maybe not even on the bubble. The numbers have them at 19-12, and 11-9 overall. Next up, we have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They have a fantastic player in guard, Prentice Hub. He is a guy that is fun to watch. He's potentially on some NBA watch lists, uh, but they really have not much outside of him. Last year, they finished 11th in the conference, 11 and five or 11 and 15, seven and 11 in conference play. I don't see a ton coming out of this Notre Dame squad, and so I have them finishing ninth in the conference. Next. 79th ranked team in the country, NC State Wolfpack. Cameron Langley led the season, uh, led the league in assists per game last year. 
with six and uh, six and a half. Manny Bates led the conference in blocks last season at about three per game. So you have some talent there, but again, like Notre Dame, just not enough. Uh, they finished ninth in the league last year, 14-11, 9-7. These teams are not making the NCAA tournament. Next, I have Miami Hurricanes. And then the final three teams in the conference, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, Pitt Panthers, and the Boston College Eagles. So that kind of rounds out the look at each of the teams in the uh, ACC conference. I have Florida State potentially getting a one seed. I have Duke at potentially getting a two seed. Louisville as a five seed. North Carolina as an eight seed. Virginia Tech as a ten seed. And I think that they slip Syracuse in there again as either an 11 or a 12 seed on the back end. And, you know, Syracuse has proven that they can make some moves from those lower seeds. The preseason first team all ACC, Buddy Bayheim, who I already talked about. Kiva Luma from Virginia Tech. The all-star uh, freshman coming in at Duke, Paolo Banchero. Armando Bacot from North Carolina, and then Isaiah Wong from Miami. And he's a pretty good guard as well. He's only a sophomore, was very highly recruited last year. So I think there's a lot of a lot of fun games to watch, a lot of fun teams to follow in this conference. And and you know, like I said, I'm really, really high on the kid, the freshman Trevor Keels at Duke. I, he has just really blown me away. I, from what I've seen so far, I think he's better than Paolo Banchero, but but we'll see. I'm not a professional recruiter, so they get paid to do that for a reason. So it's going to be fun to see how these teams perform in the non-conference and then how they are able to translate that into conference play. And with that being said, we are going to wrap it up for this episode of Fan Section Short Basketball Preview of the ACC Conference. <laughs>